You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. It's a fun collaboration and highly suggests if you want some laughs, a chill late night vibe, definitely go listen to that. That's all available on the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast feed wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, let's hop into it. Delaware this weekend going up or going down to Richmond to face off against the two and three Spiders. They're 0 and 2 in the conference, coming off a 63 to 10 loss to James Madison last week. So, on paper, you look at this as a winnable game for the Blue Hens, who are coming off a loss of their own two weeks ago in similarly dominating fashion, losing 38-10 to in Fargo against the North Dakota State Bison. Your early impressions for this Delaware-Richmond matchup? I'm not too settled yet. Last time Delaware played Richmond was last year. Richmond came to visit, and it was perhaps the best game of Delaware's season, Delaware's recent few seasons with that double overtime victory that the Blue Hens got to secure on a homecoming. There are differences between these teams. Perhaps the biggest is Kyle Auletta is no longer in a Richmond jersey. He's now in a New York Giants jersey. And that's a big effect for this Richmond offense. Richmond was perhaps one of the most potent offenses in the CAA. Probably fell down a little bit. But this is a team that Coach Rocco knows well. It's his former team. And it's a team that Delaware knows well. They play him hard. They play him competitively, kind of like a Towson that... No matter what the record is, you know both teams are going to play hard. So while I think it's going to be um, a matchup to get things done, I'm not too confident yet. I wasn't at the press conference earlier this week, but what's come out of practice so far and through the first couple of days of this week uh, really hasn't been as much talk as I would expect about Danny Rocco going to face his former team. It's not really something that he approached or talked about Monday morning when he has his weekly press conference. And... I guess to some extent, you know, it's been two years since he has been with that Richmond team. So you wonder, you know, how much it takes for that connection to kind of disappear a little bit, fade off. There are plenty of coaches across FCS and FBS football that face former teams that they've coached year after year, and it doesn't really have any pool in them. So I wonder how long that takes. I know last year, after the big win, after that overtime win, he really expressed a lot of gratitude toward the people on the other side of the field, the coaches that didn't come with him to Delaware, as well as the players like Kyle, Kyle Lalletta. He spoke very highly of him. But you wonder how long it takes for that connection to kind of dissipate. And it seems like maybe it's this year where you know now you're 100% focused on what this Delaware football team is doing, regardless of how that decision has or has not worked out for you two years ago. There's nothing you can do to change that now. Yeah, and this is... I was reading down the game notes, and while this might not be a lot, this is the 10th time Richmond faced a former coach. And CAA-wise, that seems like a lot with a lot of coaches moving around there. Yeah. Overall, And there are still only 12 teams in the CAA. Yeah, they faced 10 different coaches that moved and stayed in the CAA. They're 4-5 and five all-time when facing previous head coaches, so this can even, either even the record or push it to 4-6. and six. But he was a head coach there for four years, 2012 to 2016. This is something place that he is familiar with and it was it wasn't a one year or a two year stay this was a four year stay he watched people from the first year incoming freshmen all the way to the graduating class go through so i think it adds that extra like you mentioned layer of okay when is it time to move on when are we ready to push past because this team meant i'll don't want to speak for him but it seems like a team that meant a lot to him as he spoke um about yeah, he him spoke last a little year. bit about that last year and you're listening to Blue End Sports Cage on 91.3 WVD. You would know this better than me. We'll get to the X's and O's of this game in a couple of minutes. But one of the things we spoke a lot about as far as why he made that decision to leave Richmond and come to Delaware 
was the facilities, was the resources that Delaware could provide as a larger school that Richmond has not provided to their football program, or at least that's the perception of you know what we see from the outside looking in, that that's a lot smaller of a school, a lot smaller of a student population, and therefore there's a lot more potential with this Delaware team. You were in Richmond two years ago when the Blue Hens faced off against them, against Danny Rocco and the Spiders. What do you remember from the atmosphere, from the stadium, from just the general vibe around that team, which was a playoff team, and how does that compare to what is here at Delaware? It was pretty similar. Um, there wasn't really much uh, huge buzz around the game, kind of like there is in Delaware. I think Delaware has a bit more uh, fan base coming out, whether that be the size or whether that be the promotion. It wasn't didn't seem like as big as a deal uh, as it is here in Delaware. The stadium was nice. It wasn't anything special. It doesn't look like they did a lot for it, but they gave him a place to play. Um, but overall, I don't know if it gets the same vibe that it does here in Delaware. And do you think that there is any type of potential for that team or fan base to grow? It is a team that seems to be on the decline on the field. Or do you think they reached their so-called peak of fan interest during that Rocco tenure? There's always. Like, is the peak here higher than it could be there? Yeah, the okay. peak here is definitely higher because this is a team that is climbing up the mountain in Delaware. This is a team that's getting better and better, hopefully getting better and better and aiming well, to be a yeah, playoff team. we'll talk team. about that. Yeah, hopefully getting better and better. They're striving to be a playoff team this year. They just Richmond lost back-to-back CAA games, and they have a hard stretch down the road for the CAA. Yeah. They might not be looking towards playoffs, so that's going to be a decline place, which I think is great. That maybe with a competitive Blue Hen team, with Rocco coming back, with how it happened last year, this game might generate a bit more extra buzz. You're listening to Blue Hen Sports Cage on 91.3 WVUD. I'm Brandon Halvek with Jake Lampert. So Delaware's 2-2 and on the season. They're 0-1 and in CAA play. Richmond's played one game more. They're 2-3 and overall and 0-2 in CAA play. Last week, they got destroyed by James Madison 63-10. to That was after the Dukes took down Robert Morris 73-7. to So if there's any doubt about how good that team in Harrisonburg is, it's been silenced in these last two games, regardless of who your opponent is putting up those point totals. But in any event, obviously that's a huge disappointing loss if you're Richmond. You want to keep that game a lot closer. The week before, they fell 36-10 to to Stony Brook. You mentioned it off the top, Kyle Lalletta, no longer the quarterback. Kevin Johnson in. He's not performed poorly. Second in the CAA in passing yards, 12th in the nation. He had some game experience during the Lalletta era when Lalletta went down for injury. He came in and actually played in the playoffs and didn't play poorly. What is there to like about this Richmond team? And then where are some places that they've struggled, and especially these last two games that they will be looking to shore up against the Blue Hens? I think you mentioned it, and it is kind of Kyle Aletta. This is a brand new offense. They have to develop a whole new game plan behind a whole new quarterback. Additionally, they just lost their top wide receiver um, out for the season. Um, that's, that's a hit. You lose your top wide receiver. You lose your all-CAA quarterback. I think this team needs to be able to grab onto something. This is their third week of CAA play. They're tired. Both these teams coming off incredibly disappointing losses. If they're good at something, like you mentioned, they're still good at keeping the ball in the air. Yeah. And that's going to be perhaps the one thing that's going to keep them in this game. Because we saw last week, um, different opponent, Easton Stick, is probably on a different level here. But he picked apart the Delaware secondary. And I think that 
if anyone needs to continue this vibe, it's going to be Richmond, and they're going to do it by going to the secondary as well. Okay, so that was going to be my next question then. Do you think that with this passing attack, Delaware secondary is vulnerable? It seems like the answer to that question is yes. Based off what we've seen last week, there is no reason to believe that this defense, especially the secondary, is at star power yet. Um, So I think it's going to be their one vulnerability. It's going to be their safeties and uh, defense backs. Run game-wise, doesn't seem like Richmond on paper has a significantly strong running game. Not a poor one, averaging just about four yards a carry. But it does seem like a game, to me, that you'd expect Delaware's front seven, especially the linebacking core, to have a pretty regular day where they're going to be pretty good against the run. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, it'll be the same as last year, pass first, run second. On the other side of the ball, Delaware offensively, Horrible outing. The worst one we've seen in a long time against North Dakota State. Four turnovers by Pat Kehoe, which in the first three weeks of the season, that was sort of his calling card, right? That he wasn't turning the ball over. Six touchdowns, no interceptions through three games this season. The first Delaware quarterback in his first three career starts to go over 200 passing yards. Complete opposite in that game four loss. Less than 100, four interceptions. Coming out of an open date after that North Dakota State game, where do your expectations lie for him going up against this Richmond defense? He has to get back into that safety valve that I'm not going to turn the ball over. I'm just going to grind the ball downfield. It's going to be a different arena. I mean, you're not playing in the Fargo Dome with uh, 18,000 strong, with the blaring screens and lights everywhere. You're going to be a little more relaxed. This is a team that's lost pretty much just as bad as you did last week. So worse, <laughs> really. Yeah. yeah. And coming off of a dead week or a open date for the Blue Hens, I expect Kehoe to get back out there and throw the ball. I think Delaware's gonna go in the air first, they're gonna look for Walker, look for Charles Scarf, and then if needed, like they did last time Richmond came, they'll lean on the run a little heavier with Kanai Kane and Lee. Yeah, I like what you said there. I think this team through the first couple of weeks of the season, they established themselves as a two tight end or 12 personnel team, right? They want to get up there with a lot of beef and run the football and get ahead of the stick, stay on schedule, all that stuff that they say week, week in, week out. But I think coming off of a big loss like that, it would be a good idea to take a couple chances and a couple shots early in the game to get that confidence reestablished in your offense. And then if you do get up a score or two with a couple of downfield passes, I think that's when you go back to the running game to Kanai Kane and Dejon Lee and try to control the game. Because if you give this Delaware Blue Hens defense a lead against a sub-elite offense like Richmond is, I think they'll, they're still good enough to take care of a game against one of these middle-of-the-road-to-back-of-the-pack CAA teams. So I hope that they are willing to come out and throw the ball down the field a little bit early on because it's a team that started slow. They get into these shells where they're running on first and second down, and then they face a third and long, and they're off the field with two or three punts in the first quarter of these last couple of games, even against Cornell and Lafayette. I would love to see them get Joe Walker involved down the field or Scarf with a couple shot plays early. Yeah, and if this turns out to be uh, a gunslinging match where both teams are headed into the air, I think it's safe to say that Delaware is more confident in their defense than they are in Richmond's defense, or a word of different Richmond is in their Richmond own Richmond is there, yeah, 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 in their own defense. So why not? Why not get into a slinging match? They've Kehoe has found confidence in not only Charles Scarf, but Owen Tyler. You mentioned that two tight end set. After that drop in week one against URI, it seems like they kind of shaded away from him, but we saw a lot during North Dakota State. The two tight end set has come in as well as it could have against North Dakota. And I wouldn't could, and I wouldn't even be 
I wouldn't shy away from even showing a little bit more eleven personnel with three receivers yeah. with Vinny Vapali in there instead of Owen Tyler who was to get a, great a little job. bit more aggressive down the field because like yeah like you said Vinny Vapali was great especially against Cornell he or finds me, uh, Lafayette Lafayette and North Dakota he was, he was decent, I think yeah. most productive receiver while that might not have been one hundred fifty yards yeah. it was a Two or three catches. Yeah, I think he was 60-63 on the day, which... Uh, that might even be high, but yeah, I mean, it's still the best. wasn't impressive, the, but still the best. It was an ugly game. They have their... They'll be ha- able to have their way. They want they want to go two backs. They can go at three wide receivers, well, I mean, two I, tight ends. I don't even know if I'll say that much. Like, my confidence in this offense has taken a hit after that game. Like, I don't think they're going to have their way against anybody. I think they're going to elevate. Um, but I think... If if they are going to take control of a game, I would like to see them be aggressive and do it from the beginning of this one. And I think the confidence that you could gain from doing that would be very important when you look at the schedule moving forward down the road. If you just barely eke this win out against Richmond, that's great record-wise. It's just as good as beating them 40-10. to 10. But looking to Elon and New Hampshire and Stony Brook down the road, if you're just barely getting over a team like Richmond— your chances are not good against those teams that have now put themselves consistently into the top 25 in the FCS. Yeah, you you can't ride a one-point victory into these Elon games. You need to make your statement, make it make a big one, and then carry that momentum. We'll have a 3 o'clock kickoff for Richmond versus Delaware as the Blue Hens travel down to take on the Spiders the Richmond team ranked 11th in total defense in the CAA passing offense. They're up there. Second in the CAA is Kevin Johnson, who's taken over for the graduating senior Kyle Lawletta. The Blue Hens offensively looking to get the running game reestablished as well as the passing game. Both Kehoe and Kanai Kane under their season-long averages. Kehoe at 95 passing yards last week. Kanai Kane well under 100, as was the whole rushing attack. Is there a player, maybe first on the offensive side for Delaware, and then we'll go defensively, that sticks out to you as a X-factor type or a guy that really needs to bounce back and have a big performance to give Delaware this win against Richmond? I'm going to go Kanai Kane here last week, uh, two weeks ago, I should say, against North Dakota State. That run defense, that run offense was stifled. They didn't hit 100 yards. Given Kehoe's negative 20 or something didn't help the overall total, but even if he was positive, they wouldn't have hit 100 yards. He needs to be back to Kanai Kane form, barreling people over, getting that extra yardage when you need it. Because if this does turn into a shootout later in the game when you need those Wear third and down. ones, those third and twos, Wear him down. that's Kanai Kane. That's his opportunity. And I think that this is a perfect place against a struggling Richmond team. Delaware struggled two weeks ago. Let the man run. On the defensive end, I'm probably going to go Ray Jones because okay. I think that floating position that Ray Jones has kind yeah, of handled. Yeah, we didn't talk about that as much. They really changed a couple looks up defensively with him last two weeks ago. And I think that floating position is great for him. He had perhaps the most energy out of all the players in North Dakota and probably, not had, saying the most, a whole lot. probably had the most impact for any defensive player. Again, not, not saying, saying a whole lot, yeah. but he made his mark. And I think against a Richmond team, Strong in the passing game, very strong in the passing game. It's going to come down to him and Adderley to kind of hold down that defensive back safety core, make that statement. Yeah, I think they'll go back to more of their traditional looks defensively against North Dakota State. You saw them at times go with a four down lineman look and then three linebackers moving Ray Jones back to the safety position and moving Malcolm Brown from safety to corner, which was something we had not seen through the first three weeks of the season. I think that's a look specifically designed to give North Dakota State something different 
to see because that's a team that if they know how you're going to line up, they'll pick you apart. And they picked them apart anyway. It didn't work. But they tried to do something new to slow down that running game by putting an extra down lineman out there. I think this week you're back to seeing Ray Jones closer to the line of scrimmage in that linebacker role. And I think as we've talked about back and forth these last couple of weeks, it's a position where he can make a big impact in both the passing game on third downs when he's playing in more of the nickel slot area and in the running game on first and second down when he's up near the line of scrimmage. Jake, you will be making the trip once again down to Richmond with Nick Delaglio this year for the call, and that's at 3 o'clock this weekend. be my third consecutive Richmond game. I called the home game last year, called the away game two years ago. Richmond's just a team that I like, team I can follow, <laughs> follow along with. If it's anything like last year's Richmond game, oh, we're in for a treat. I'm excited. That was the 35-28 to 28 double overtime win, the coming out party for J.P. Caruso. Remember how long ago that was, how, how things have changed Could be the coming then. out party for Pat Kehoe. Could be his it statement. It could be. He, he could use one after that 95 passing yard game. Uh, but Delaware, nonetheless, one where they are trying to get back on track against Richmond, a team that it seems is a team that can take down a winnable game this weekend. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. Going to go back to the CAA realm for a little bit as week after week, it seems six or seven teams have consistently been making the top 25 stats FCS poll from the CAA. Uh, poll that Delaware began the season at 15th in. They began the CAA poll at 3rd, and probably at this point you'd have to slot them in at 7th or 8th, maybe ninth in the CAA because there's been a lot of teams making a big push in Delaware's wake, chief among them the Rhode Island Rams, a team that has going to be tied to Delaware intrinsically throughout the rest of the season because of that opening night win, the 21-19 to upset by the Rams over the Blue Hens on that first Thursday night. And the Rams have continued to roll. They're 3-1 and one right now. Their only loss coming to UConn of the FCS. They have two FCS wins over teams that have been ranked Harvard and Delaware and two CAA wins over Delaware and Albany. Their quarterback, Juwan Lawson, was hurt last week against Harvard in their 23-16 to win, but it appears he'll be okay. There's a lot to like about this Rams team. Lawson has been throwing the ball consistently down the field, hasn't been turning it over. And like we saw against Delaware, he's got the legs to really make some plays when things break down late in games for Rhode Island. The defense still a question mark, but the Rams' offense has really continued to improve since that first game against Delaware. Yeah, Lawson's averaging almost 250 yards in the air a game. Compile that with like 40 yards on the ground. He's a runner. He's a dual-threat quarterback, and this is a team that— doesn't really go deep in this running back form. They have Bryant, but for a starting running back averaging 47 yards a game, might not be the most impressive, but he's averaging 250 in the air, 10 touchdowns with a quarterback efficiency rating of 182. He's going to be the carrier. He's going to be the savior, and I'm glad he's healthy because if he wasn't, they're going to start the CAA play with Maine, and then go, they go to Stony Brook. Those are two really hard teams to look to face at the start of C- – oh, shouldn't say start of CAA play, but kick off the, continue, the main yeah. stretch of CAA play yeah. against those two teams. Yeah, I mean, great for them to get off to that 2-0 start, albeit the second games against Albany. It's not – they're going to be one of the bottom teams in this league, but you still get two league wins. They have a matchup against Brown this weekend, right? And then yeah. they get back into CAA play. So we'll kind of probably check up on them again when they do face off in that next CAA matchup. But – the Rams are 18th in the nation. They're right there in the top 25. They have been since week three, I believe, of this season. Stony Brook had a big come-from-behind win against Villanova last week. They trailed 21 to nothing in the second quarter. They come back to win it 29-27. to 
the Seawolves continue to hang around. A lot of people thought they were going to take a step back this season from their nine-win finish a year ago, but so far, so good. Yeah, this is a team that I've put as one of the hardest CAA schedules. They started their season. They beat Temple, lost to Air Force, Bryant, Fordham. These aren't CAA teams. But their CAA schedule, they beat Richmond and come from behind from Nova. But their following next six games are doozies. Towson, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, James Madison, Delaware. And they finish the season on a high note in Albany. Those seven games. That's a tough stretch. That's really hard to do. And for a Stony Brook team that's coming off a nine-win season, they're a good defensive team. They're a good middle of the pack on both sides of the ball, a good team as a whole. This is going to put them to the test. Yeah, Joe Carbone had a great game to come back against Villanova, but like you said, tough schedule on the way. For the Wildcats, Zach Bednarczyk leaves the game because of injury. It's the second straight season that he has been hurt in Week 4. Last year, it basically ended the Wildcats' season. They had a lot of other injuries, too, but his was the the most impactful. He missed all of the rest of the season last year, comes back for the fifth year. The status is still in question, maybe not quite as serious as it was last year, but probably too early to tell. But Villanova already is, in a way, digging themselves a hole, and if they lose their starting quarterback you probably start to scratch them off the list of CAA teams because there's so many of them that the margin for error is so slim. If if they lose the quarterback, that's probably it for them for year number two. Especially because he does so much for that team. It's not just mm-hmm. a, he's another a facilitator. Yeah. yeah, It's not just a facilitator quarterback, a game manager quarterback. He's the team. Towson continues its winning ways of 44-27 to out of conference win over the Citadel. My note here is quarterback Tom Flacco is good at football. And we know one Flacco brother who's pretty good here. But Tom Flacco now leading the CAA in passing yards per game. He transferred from Western Kentucky to Rutgers a couple of years ago, then before this season from Rutgers to Towson, and has taken over that starting spot for Ryan Stouffer, who took over the starting spot the year before for Morgan Mahalik, another transfer who came from Oregon, who had a lot of expectations. Stouffer was a freshman last year. He played pretty horribly, except for the game against Delaware, where they beat him 19-17. to Now it's Tom Flacco, though, and the Tigers have found their guy. He looks pretty legit. Yeah, and their last time that Towson played Stony Brook, it was a mess on both sides of the ball. No one really did well. Joe Carbone for Stony Brook, probably the highlight reel, going 22-30 for 30 with two touchdowns. But this whole matchup-wise is something that we probably wouldn't have predicted at the beginning of the year to have this much weight. We knew these were two good teams basically because how they play Delaware. But this is a huge game for both of them in CAA rankings because Towson constantly adds, like you said with Flacco, that they might be one of the best teams in the CAA. We'll, we'll see, yeah. yeah. And Stony Brook is just needs to fight because we mentioned they have such a hard schedule coming up. Yeah, Stony Brook, or excuse me, Towson hasn't really gotten that signature win, quote-unquote, yet. They haven't really beaten anybody, though they do have a couple wins on their schedule. But this is an opportunity to perhaps get the first one. If they can beat Stony Brook, now you say, okay, they beat Stony Brook. If they get maybe another win, if they beat Delaware, if they beat a team like Maine later in the season. Yeah, their end of the season's terrible. Delaware, Maine, Elon, James, Madison. That's okay. another one. Right, but if, if they do somehow come out of that with just the losses against Elon and JMU, you got to consider them. They're yeah. going to be right on the borderline with teams like Delaware. And Tom Flacco gives you some confidence at quarterback dudes averaging 290 passing yards a game he was recruited here actually out of high school but didn't want to come and play in joe's shadow which probably understandable right and you know you're probably not going to have a better fcs career than joe flacco did here 
Um, but he's getting close. He's having a pretty good start to his season with the Tigers. So that'll be a fun one for us to watch. Maine lost to Yale this weekend. Not much here on the Black Bears, but we'll hit them real quick. 35-14 to 14 was the score. Quarterback Chris Ferguson did not play in that game. So obviously, anytime you lose your starting quarterback, it's going to be a big impact. Ferguson started the season extremely strong with that win against New Hampshire in Week 1. Since then, though, the Maine Black Bears have slid back a bit. We'll see if they can rebound. Still ranked inside the top 25, but this is not a team that the Blue Hens have on their schedule this season. They're they're good. I mean, there's really not, but the one thing I do have to say about them is they just finished up against the game versus Yale, and this was the first game that we saw perhaps a weakness for them is their run game because they didn't break 50 yards for a leading rusher. Neither team did. That's not what you want to do. They only scored 14 points. It was in the third and the fourth quarter. That's due to that not-so-great run game coming through. You're listening to Blue End Sports Cage on 91.3 WVUD. Perhaps the game of the weekend at the FCS level is number two James Madison against number 10 Elon. The Dukes just one loss on the season. The Phoenix just one loss on the season. James Madison, as we discussed earlier, coming off the 63-10 win against Richmond, Delaware's opponent this weekend. The Dukes are be favored in this game, no doubt, but... And what what would happen if the Elon Phoenix broke that streak of CAA wins for James Madison that now dates back, I believe, into three seasons ago? Is it possible? What would the reaction be if Elon pulled off the upset over James Madison? I feel like people looking at the CAA would just think of it as an outlier. Um, okay. Because James Madison has a ridiculous win streak. They've beaten opponents by... The last three games, their smallest margin of victory was 51 points. Their defense is giving up on average eight points per game. So if it happens that Elon beats James Madison, people will definitely put Elon higher on the CAA. You'll have to drop JMU a little bit. You have to put Elon over JMU. Right, but you won't really think of it as that much. You won't be in panic mode if you're JMU. You'll you'll still say JMU's the team to beat? Right, unless, of course, they come out the next game and they play poorly or they drop it again. Not okay. panic, you, but you need to see it a couple of times. Yeah, and at this point, coming off seventy-three points and sixty-three points, you're pro- it doesn't seem like this team has taken a, a big step back. Some people projected that they would because Brian Shore graduated. They lost a couple other contributors offensively, but it doesn't seem like they have through non-conference play, albeit against lesser opponents. But when you're the number two team in the nation, a lot of your opponents are going to be lesser opponents. Yeah, and they go Elon to Villanova to Stony Brook. These are three teams that, on paper, James Madison's have no problem with both running the ball and passing the ball. So if there is some sort of outlier against Elon, perfect bounce-back opponents in Villanova and Stony Brook. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. I have a couple special guests joining us today. Would you like to do the honors of introducing who's joining us I don't on know the cage? if there's a drum roll, but no stranger to the cage. We're gang- The gang's back together. All four of us are back in the cage. Teddy and Ahmed are back with us for this lovely showing. Teddy making the trek from Washington and Ahmed making the trek from Delaware back yes. to visit with us on the <laughs> I cage. Walked in. The room seems more full. It just seems normal. It seems like what we're used to, and we're all back together. We've moved the, the seats around a little bit, so some different... Uh, microphone situations, but you're right. It's great to be all yeah. We totally all back flip-flopped. Actually, Teddy and Ahmed are now on the far side. Branton and I are on the board side of things. So this was a complete rotation. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. It's a new look. 
the this, new Luck Cage. This is amazing. So glad you guys are obviously keeping this alive. But um, for me, I guess it's not like th- this is. You really have to feel something, Teddy, right now because obviously I've been around the studio a little bit with Uncaged, and uh, we had a nice little project yesterday. But uh, how do you feel right now? Because I obviously feel good, but it it does feel like the in sync is back together right well, now. Well, well, you know what? I I was lucky to have the time over the last couple of weeks to actually be able to tune in to bits and pieces. I didn't catch any show completely top to bottom, but but you know you can always find the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn and tune Radio. Radio. That's Great right. insert. There you <laughs> go. Exactly. So I listened to the entire first show. I listened to bits and pieces of them. So I, you know, for me, admit it. It's never like I allowed myself to ever become completely disconnected. I allowed myself to stay in it, and I've been in touch with with you and with Jake and with Brandon and with other people here. So while I'm busy, you know, working in D.C., I needed to stay in touch. And when I realized I had a couple days available here to make the trip up, there was no way I wasn't coming on the cage. <laughs> Jake, you had an interesting show last week. That was cool. The revolving yeah. door show or the carousel was, show, whatever you want to call it. There seven of us that just kept going in <laughs> and out. Fire hazard. And we just, it might have been, but we kept the door open at all times. <laughs> the marshal was uh, at, on duty. <laughs> it was really great. And it was a really fun show. So I, I, and I know whenever we're talking, we always get these Text. Well, I always get these texts of Teddy. I know last time we ranked our top 10 quarterbacks, Teddy had a big thing to say about Matt Ryan not being as high as we had initially had him. And it's always great to, as we're talking, uh, get that other side of the coin. And uh, it's fun to look back on now that Teddy's still listening and Teddy's still supporting us like we were the four gang. And he's always there. Well, guys talking in our ears. So, so let us know what you guys have been up to. Fill us in on... From May, when we finished the spring edition of the show, up until now, what's been going on? Um, Uncaged has been my biggest project, and I was glad we we didn't have a show yesterday, but we had a little behind-the-scenes action with Teddy, so go check that out. That was fun as well. Um, but yeah, that was, that's was that been my biggest project. I have a lot of things I want to work on. Obviously, uh, for those who don't know, I tried to do, attempted to do a little comedy here and there, uh, open mic nights at 91.3 WVUD, um, and a couple other things that I want to work on as far as um, just like directing and creating different things. So uh, it's a little tough being in this, from the state of Delaware, but it's nice and hopefully we're going to travel a little more and uh, might try to find my way down there in D.C. too, mm-hmm. Teddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, you know, after graduation, began the job hunt basically before graduation and then up until after for a few weeks. And I was very fortunate to end up at WTOP 103.5 FM, which is the top news station in the city of Washington, D.C. and the surrounding area. And it's been a station that I've listened to since I was basically born. It's it's kind of the heart and soul of news in D.C. Everybody knows about it down there. And some of the people have been around for ages. So I come in there as an assistant editor, which is basically the entry-level position. So I've been working with our editor who produces the lineup 24 hours a, a day, seven days a week, all news. We've got some sports. We've got traffic. Get tra- him on air. <laughs> we'll see. We've got news. We've got traffic, weather, business, all the different components. And for me, I had been looking around for different options of where to work after graduation, knowing I would need it. I wanted to be in journalism. That's where my experience was. And so I looked into television, print, radio, yet through the whole thing, I knew I had a soft spot for radio and a lot of that, and if not most of that, it's credit to being right here and doing the game broadcasts, doing the show, production, everything like that. So when the opportunity presented itself to find myself in multiple interviews down there in Northwest D.C. and working through those and doing my homework and learning and researching and winding up there, and 
yeah, I'm not on air right now, mid, but just being <laughs> being around ra- being around radio and a station that I I've known for a very long time and a station that does very well is it, it, I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate. No conflict, right? You being on here today? <laughs> no, no. I'm, yeah, we don't have to pay anything no to conflict. get you. No royalties, <laughs> no nothing. No, absolutely. You know how hard it is to book Teddy Gilman. <laughs> so it, it, you know, all in all, I can ramble on for days. You guys have already heard me off air going on and on about what I do on a daily basis and the shifts I'm working 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. or 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. But I really love what's going on and I love being back in the area. I loved being here in Newark for four years, but I always wanted to be you know, deep down back in that D.C. area and being back home and being with a station I've known forever. Um, it, it's really, you know, kind of a dream. So it's it's been so, so much fun. And I'm thrilled to be back in here and get to talk whatever we're going to talk about today. Yeah, you guys, neither of you came as prepared as you. Well, I guess I might came as a normal level yeah, of preparedness. Yeah, open the... Rundown faster than I've ever seen Ahmed open the rundown. In the first five minutes of production, Ahmed had his rundown out. But but Teddy Teddy is far less prepared than he typically would be for a show. We'll give him a pass on that. But uh, we're happy to have both of you guys in the studio for the rest of the full hour. So we'll catch up here. We're going to talk some Delaware football a little bit later on. Then we're going to get into some professional sports, and we'll have you make NFL picks around the huddle with us to wrap up the show at the end of the hour. This is Blue End Sports Cage, 191.3 WVUD. I have to ask both of you because I know, Teddy, you've been listening to the podcast and Ahmed, you've been around so you know the things we're talking about. Is there anything that when you've heard Brandon and I talk about it, you're sitting here in your seat and you're like, if I was on the cage, I would yell right now. Well, I texted you. Why? You know, about that one. It's small, intricate details about nothing in terms if, if you're talking in terms of organization and production of the show. I have not. It sounded great. Oh, good. Hey, it's Brandon, a di- good job. It's a different. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You wouldn't. No. You wouldn't want the show to be identical to. Right. I'm, I'm still right. trying to work my way with this microphone because I'm not different e- microphone because I'm not used I know. to it. it changed um, everything. Up. But anyways, you wouldn't want the show production to be identical to the way it's been. So I like some of the, the minor changes. And the only gripes I have is when you're ranking certain players or certain co- things here, and I feel like, you know what, I got to be there right now. Well, we're giving you I... your mic time now to oh, make absolutely. your statement known that you maybe disagree with some of the stuff Brandon but and I you, But you know what? If I was sitting here in front of the mic or listening at home or wherever I was, you're always going to get that. And so me feeling that disagreement, I kind of liked because it fired <laughs> me It fired me up a little bit. I didn't want to sit back and say I agree with everything. That's part of the discussion. You want to have disagreements on the show, and you want to be able to get into some of these controversies. So, But no, Jake, I mean, I like the way it sounded, and yeah. I've tried to listen as much as I can. Yeah, the ranking thing is interesting. You guys get into that a lot. I like that. I think there was a um, an extended discussion. I forget what week it was, but Julio... Jones, is he top five? Is he top ten? Leo Jones is overrated. <laughs> so I love the rankings one, but um, I think we, we, I don't want to say we left at the right time, but radio shows nowadays, <laughs> wow. obviously, I'm just saying, I mean, we had Brutal. to leave at some point, but radio shows nowadays, or I, I see a lot of them are like two and they go like a duo action. So you don't see that many like three, four, five guys or girls for that matter um, in, in there. So true, I think true. the two person dynamic it's really interesting, and I think I don't want to use the word it's really hot or trending right now, but that's really what we're kind of seeing, whether it's ESPN, Fox, uh, you know, whatever other for, um, other venues or networks. But I think the two guys, if you guys can really make it work, I think that's really what's in right now. And I think you guys are having a really good chemistry, good connection. So uh, keep the duo going. And um, 
I think the four wasn't bad either, but let's see what they do here. I think the, I like the duo. It's good. Well, you got to admit. Yeah, I mean, it's switched it up based, uh, let's be it's honest. It's a different show. It's a Like sw- you said, it's a different it's show. Th- th- we, you can get into the philosophy of the two. It's great. <laughs> it, it was strictly a personnel decision. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, what what worked best is is this. And you know what? Brandon and, Brandon and Jake have done a great job of getting some of the, the newer members in as well. But we had formed a great, you know, four-person show. And I agree, the two has worked well, but you have to find new chemistry with whoever you were. Right. And mm-hmm. for that matter, sure, the, the two has worked. And I think good. next year, Jake is going to do a great job by himself. <laughs> I will definitely not be by myself. But, but it's a different vibe because Brandon and I, last year, were on the other side of the booth, and we were the ones going at it. We were always the arguing ones. And now, because it's just Brandon and I in here, yeah. we kind of have to show restraint. And if Brandon says something, that I was like, oh, I got to come back at this. I got to be like, you know what? We don't have two hours to argue. We don't have Teddy to st- slow and us down and stop us. Teddy, I don't know if you remember, but this was um, CAA Women's Tournament. We're coming back from Philly. We're watch. We're listening, excuse me, to the, uh, it was Brandon and Jake, obviously, in the uh, doing the cage. And it was the first time it was just them two. And we got really, we didn't get emotional, but we were like, dang, this is what it's going to be <laughs> next year. And we're over here picking every single thing that they're doing. And we're just talking about what it's going to be like. And I, I can honestly say that I think we were really overthinking it and that it's turned out to be a really great situation with them. Not that w- that we ever doubted them, but I think they've uh, really have come a long way in just doing what, you know, what we had expected to, them to do. And not only our expectations, but exceeding that. And I think they're a really good duo in conclusion. I don't know if there's anything else to add to that. Well, you've used duo way too many times. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just the mere fact, if you have to, yeah. come, just the mere fact that, the show is constant, and yeah. you can change up those behind the mic. Ideally, what we tried to produce over the last couple of years of whoever was on the show is at 5 to 7 p.m. on Thursday nights, mm-hmm. you can turn into Blue Hen Sports Cage, and this is what you're going to get. And, right. and it's it's going to be there, hopefully, for the foreseeable future. Right, and we want to be a mix of Delaware sports, but we don't want to beat you over the head with everything like that, so we mix it up. We have some fun with NFL talk. Right now, obviously, MLB playoffs is going to be a big part of the show for the next couple of weeks. Well, thanks um, for having me, guys. <laughs> no, leave for that. <laughs> no, we covered we covered that before you came. Okay, on. good. Um, <laughs> thanks. But uh, you know, we we want to have stuff that you can't find anywhere else. To mm-hmm. us, that's the Delaware football discussion. We we're there. We're at every game. We're at practice. We're at press conferences. Whatever reporting. We're talking about the team. But we also want to, you know just kind of give you a different opinion on the NFL that you might have not heard somewhere else or just different thoughts from a different perspective from college students rather than the 50-year-old former NFL player, whatever mm-hmm. you see on Sunday. And as always, if you have criticism, critiques, concerns, suggestions, praises, feel free to always send those to us at WVD Sports on Twitter slash WVD Sports on Facebook. Hit Jake and I either of us individually on Twitter or Facebook, uh, because we'd love to hear from you. We want to hear what you like about the show. And if there are things that you'd like to see changed or tweaked in the show, don't stay silent about it and arguing it to yourself in the car. Give us a call. Do you guys still get calls as well? Yeah. Well, what, we, what we're trying to do, and we, we didn't do it this week because we had our special guest, but we're trying to bring in some Twitter reactions. So nice. a couple of times earlier this year, we've put out either a poll question or just an overarching question to take responses from. And the idea is to respond to those on the air as well as responding to them on Twitter a little bit more briefly and a little bit more of a full discussion here on the air. I tried to engage a couple of weeks. Did you, you didn't engage in those? I always vote in the polls and I made some um, I made some it wasn't really a hot take, but 
talk about my egos here and there. I'll I'll uh, I'll oh, try that's, to that's right. I'll try to you mention did. every now and then. I, I like yeah. that. I like that idea because yeah. I mean we kind of you know grappled with with the phone calls for a little while, but yeah. but that's. The fact that you're going to reach a lot of people on Twitter and you're active active on social media, I thought that was a good idea, and, and I, I, mean, hope, last I hope it time works well. I picked up a phone call here. It was some 50 year old alumni um, yelling about concussions because we were talking about CTE, and I was like, I don't know, man. I just I just answered the phone. So <laughs> well, it, just the we got two people in here. We don't have anybody who can answer the phone. Yeah. Um, no, I think you guys are doing a good job with social media. Thank you. This is Blue Hunt Sports Cage on 91.3 WVUD. If you're a new listener to the show. We didn't give the full introduction. Our former members, Teddy Gelman and Med Quadra, joining us for the second hour. I'm Brandon Hovek, alongside Jake Lampert, as always. We're going to get to Delaware football and a little bit more sports discussion a little bit later on. But before this break, one thing that I wanted to ask you guys on the air, and I'll start with the Med, then I'll go to Teddy. Um, you know, not necessarily like a, a career thing, but maybe something more about yourself. From May to now, and again, it's not that long a period of time, but five months, and a lot has changed between then and now for both of you. What is something that you've learned about yourself that you maybe wish you had engaged with more, knew sooner when you were here, or even unrelated to this at all? What's something that has come up about yourself in those couple of months in that change between being around campus on the show and whatnot, and then moving on to your different career aspirations? Oh, for me, that's easy. It's It's got to be networking. Um, I, I didn't have the opportunity to full-time, uh, obviously, live on campus. So I feel like I missed a few opportunities. I wasn't here on campus physically as much as you guys. But uh, the networking, uh, I've, I've met a lot of people, and it's great, and there's a lot of opportunity. So I encourage everyone, um, you know, in the station, around the station, whether you're interested in sports or not interested in sports, anything – um, around the university or if you're listening. I think networking uh, definitely was the biggest thing. I wish I could have done more of it, but I'm glad that I did the amount that I did. And I, I think that's obviously the biggest thing. I mean, you meet coaches, like you said, Brandon, you do press conferences, post-games, pre-games, uh, radio shows, live shows. So from all that that we did in, in our four-plus years, I think networking was uh, really the biggest treat from people we meet. And, uh, uh, you know, and those obviously lead to great things like um, going to different venues, different cities, uh, winning different awards. So all of that is really a treat. And networking is a small window that opens up uh, really a grand scheme of things that you can um, take with you. I know we seem old because we just finished uh, college, but uh, really just getting started here in your 20s. And, and it kind of sets the tone for the rest of your life, really. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's pretty hard for me, actually, because I feel like I took away a number of things. And I, I left in at the end of May feeling 100% like I did and enjoyed every single thing that I wanted to enjoy here. And so now that I'm back, it's not like I'm wishing I want to do anything again. It's just kind of reliving certain moments. But with all that being said, I felt confident that what I, finding a job and being away from an area that I loved for four years, I, I felt confident that it would work out. But I guess, you know, it's important to remember and reconsider always the the the, the fact that you're going to run into some troubles every now and then. And I guess... I, I feel bad saying this because I know other people, I guess, struggled to get a job longer or, or had to move a long place away. And I was lucky to come back to my hometown and get a job pretty soon, pretty quickly out of college. But the ability to, I guess, understand that this is a key transition. And back today, I 
I'll come to this. Back today, I did talk to one of the intro journalism classes, and I tried to gauge. Ted no, talk. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> no pun intended. No, I'm. I'm why didn't Why didn't we ever make that? A why segment? was that never a segment? That's what I'm wondering. Oh my just god, now, yeah. missed opportunity. Well, I'm serious. I'm serious here because I talked I to this class. But I, I, that should have been a segment. Well, <laughs> you've got the debut right now. <laughs> I'm talking to a class, and I'm trying. I'm telling them what I'm doing nowadays and the job and how much I love radio and how much I've come to enjoy the news and the D.C. area and all of this stuff. And I ask them questions. I'm trying to get in their heads about what they're thinking now. I'm trying to get in their heads about what they're thinking now and why they want to go into journalism, TV, print, radio, or whatever they want to do. And I was, I felt like I, I had a responsibility to kind of reach back out to people who aren't there yet because I can relate to the struggle of being stressed out about what I'm going to do after graduation. And that goes for any field. Not just somebody who is doing a radio show. It goes for anything. So I, I guess I, I maybe never anticipated the difficulty that the transition might be. But again, I don't want to sound like I struggled immensely because I was very lucky. I, I had a lot. I put a lot of hard work in throughout the the years. But I, I found the areas that I could take advantage of or work smartly to to reach. So trying to help those people that aren't that are going to go through that same thing, you know, that's the best way I can kind of put this. Just you got to kind of give back yeah, to just, it a little bit. You just really quickly, just really quickly, you mentioned transition. I That's one thing that I would emphasize because it feels a lot like after college, oh, like you're done or now what? But um, it really, I feel like I'm just getting started and you're definitely just getting started too. So you, this is, it's like really a start. It's actually a refreshing, like, it's a beginning of something, so you got to keep that in mind just moving forward. It's really the beginning. Exactly. And, and what I said to myself, and I hope that anybody listening who's a student or to, to Brandon and Jake, again, what I told myself at the end of May was I am, and this is a lesson for anybody who's ever gone to college, my thought process was I want to leave on May 26th or whatever it was feeling like I did absolutely everything that I wanted to do and accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish as best I could in four years. And there was a lot of really, really, really great moments, some hard moments too. And I guess that's, you know, that's that, because that's what you want because it's four years and you want to love it and then you move on. And hopefully you find something you enjoy, whether it's job, more schooling, volunteer, whatever the case is. So you really like, that's, that's my message to those who are still here is to enjoy the moments and, Prep yourself for what comes after, but enjoy the time you're here and don't leave any regrets because afterwards you're not going to get it back. And I'm proud to be walking around campus and not feeling like I want to do anything again, like I never did it. It's more just, Man, re- just remembering the positivity. So I'm I, enough with this. I'm glad, I just to, I'm run, glad to be back. I just want to run through a wall back. right now. <laughs> I am so glad to be back. Can we, just, can we talk about sports? We're going to talk Delaware football right after this. You're listening to Blue Hen Sports Cage on 91.3 WVUD. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. Head coach Danny Rocco looking for career win number 100 against his former team in his first trip back to Richmond. Last year, Delaware defeated the Spiders 35-28 to in double overtime. This year, a much-needed win for the Blue Hens, coming off that 38-10 to loss against North Dakota State two weeks ago and having lost in the opening week game 21-19 to against the Rhode Island Rams. Teddy and Ahmed, obviously you haven't been as intimately tied to this team as you were in previous seasons, calling the games and everything of that nature, but... From what you've gathered from afar, what has been your impression of this team through the first four games of the season? I'll go first here. I I really like. Um, I don't. I don't want to say I really like, but Pat Kehoe. Obviously, we've seen some good things from him. And the first thing I think of is this: the you know first year in a while that we'll see a, you know a quarterback from start to finish. Whether you know the season's good, bad, or great, 
uh, you'd like to see that consistency, and I think that he'll get his opportunity. Obviously, we've seen some other quarterbacks, or whether it's a creative play or just garbage time, but I'd like to see from start to finish uh, Coach Rocco just kind of stick with his guns and let you know Pat really do his thing. So um, he's obviously had shaky start to the season with the first game specifically with the 19-21 to loss, I believe it was. Um, and then, you know, there are two good games after that, and then obviously what happened in North Dakota that you guys went to. Um, but, you know, and then and then just moving on to North Dakota really quickly, obviously they play, it seems like, one great team a year, which always, always ends up happening to be a really blowout or, you know, not a pretty score at all. What was it? It was like 38 to 0? 38 to 10. 38 to 10. Okay. And then I think it was like 27 to 0 with uh, Virginia Tech last year. So yep. always good seeing these teams and going on the road. And obviously it's good for the school. It's good for the players. You know, if you want to beat the best, you got to beat the best. Or if for now, we'll just settle at playing the best. But um, yeah, so I've seen a lot of positives, but... Right now, sitting at two and two, I, there's a long, long, long way to go for this team, and I, I think people are excited and as they should be. But I, I think that we're not there as as people are, or students, or faculty, or fans are kind of making it seem to be. I think we are a long ways away from that last game meaning anything with the battle of the blue. I think we're, I think we got a few few games to go before we even make any you know waves. Yeah, everybody's talking this year. Oh, nine and I get what it's eleven games in the season. Eight and oh, Teddy's gone for five months. I'm saying gets how much games they play. Everybody's talking eight and three, nine and two. I, I I understand that those are valid predictions at the beginning of the season. My biggest concern right now is just the lack of consistency and what we've seen now for what five or so years. So you can say okay, seven Ke- years. Yeah, you can say Kehoe's you know providing more at the quarterback position. You can say the defense has got some talent. I, I know all of this, and I know on paper, yeah, this team should be in the playoffs, and they would say they should have been in the playoffs last year. We agreed, I think, that they did not deserve to be there because of the way they played at the end of the year. But right now, sitting at 2-2, two and two, yeah, they had two wins that they needed to get, and they got it. Rhode Island was a huge dud and a disappointment. There's no other way to put it. And North Dakota State, I thought they didn't put the effort in, and I think they played better against Virginia Tech, who I think is better than North Dakota State. So you put all of this together, and right now, sitting at 2-2, two and two, my quick synopsis with this is that they're in they're in trouble, and it's hard for me right now to confidently say that I only think they're going to lose one more game down the stretch. Yeah, I I can't confidently say that. So right now, to me, their playoff chances are below fifty. It's interesting because if they win seven games, they won seven games last year, correct? Yes. I mean, and then there was the whole you know hoopla with they didn't make it. They should have made it. Obviously it was a very divided, you know, CAA, like some said they should have, some said, I don't know what we were divided as far as in here. I was, I think, I think the vibe in here was okay with how everything shook out that weekend. Maybe they should have made it in. They probably should have made it in, but they had an opportunity against a five win team, a four win team before that to win a game and automatically be in. So they had a chance to control their own destiny and they relinquished that opportunity. Therefore they didn't do enough to get in and secure their birth. But maybe they should have been in over New Hampshire, whatever you didn't expect New Hampshire to get shut out by Albany in the last game of the season and also have the same record as the blue hens, but they should have beat Villanova or Towson and then they would have been in the playoffs without a question. Yeah, so my point really with just that is that I was one of the people who who was completely okay with them not making the playoffs. So now if they're seven 
if they're you know seven and four now you're kind of looking at last year i i know i don't really know how these guys and girls at the committees really work but i'm thinking now there i don't know if it'll sway or not but maybe last year all that hoopla they might be like okay well this team you know is has been consistently at seven wins maybe they deserve to be in last year i don't know if that'll sway the decision at all i'm not questioning their professionalism at all but maybe i think eight definitely makes it in but like you said can they just win just lose one more down the stretch i don't think so but i i don't know about you you're kind of closer to the panic button than i am well my my question is i think it's six how many caa teams are above them in the national rankings like five at least, right? Seven. I was gonna say seven. Okay, seven. So let's Whoa. just let's just think about this from a, an old... James Madison, Elon, Maine, Stony Brook, URI. Nova, URI, and then you got me. the question should have been who's under because it's like well, you... yeah. <laughs> so here's a... and then New Hampshire, they're probably both receiving mention, votes. Is Towson in there? Towson's Towson is in there. I don't know I if they're in there, but they're probably receiving more votes than Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. So remember last year. They should be, at least. Remember last year, the team goes on a run, beats Richmond, who at the time was a team that, that was... They were a, ranked. Who was ranked. They kind of fell apart down the stretch, and Delaware proved to be the better team. But remember how Coach Rocco kept saying, you know, we need the national re- recognition, national respect, and, uh, you know, they didn't give us that, and that had an impact, and that we didn't make in the playoffs. Well, let's look and see who's above Delaware right now. And I'm not saying that all these teams above them are going, some of them could completely fall apart, and some of them probably will. Who knows? I don't, I'm not in tune with all these injuries, et cetera, that I know you guys know about. But when you've got over half of the conference above you, and you've already lost two games, you have played four. A real quick correction. Yeah. Towson is ranked 23rd in the nation. There are seven CAA teams ranked in the top 25. Delaware's not one of them. And you throw that that's, what, 75 almost percent of the conference? It's going to take something special for Delaware. To, and even if Delaware loses one game and, and it's 8-3, and three, what if we got a whole bunch of teams that are 8-3? and three? And what if we have a, a, a tie mm-hmm. between teams down the stretch and it's going to be a, a showdown as to which, who the committee goes with? What I'm saying is Delaware has to prove something now because last year they failed to prove it. And thinking that you can just ride it out and you know squeeze past some of these teams, they need some dominating performances. And if you lose two games, I don't think it's going to happen. So you just look at the teams above you right now, and that, for one, makes me nervous, compounded with the fact that they're not playing well. Yeah, and it's the teams above them. I don't want to, like you mentioned, there are seven teams rated in the CAA. I don't think any but James Madison and Elon are definites. I think every other team, Stony Brook, is the next highest rated at 13. I think a key loss from Stony Brook can drop them to 24, drop them to 25, and then get them out of the CAA poll. So there's a lot of fluidity with these teams. And when you look at it last year, I don't think it was that easy. I think you had your top teams. They were deep in the CAA rankings. You had your one or two floaters on the 24-25 range that this national recognition that Rocco talked about was a lot more warranted because there weren't that many spots. He truly thought Delaware should have been one of those three, four teams in that CAA bubble. But now, like you mentioned, and we mentioned, there are seven teams standing there that, yeah, the national recognition is great, but with four teams in the the bottom five of the CAA um, in the top 25 poll being Maine, Towson, uh, Rhode Island, Nova, and Rhode Island. uh, uh, The last one was Maine, right. Um, There's so much room for Delaware to possibly make it if one key win goes their way or another team gets a key loss. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but CAA is, if not the first or second in FCS. It's the best conference in the FCS. So first, okay. So, I mean, uh, I'm not saying they'll take five teams, but... Like you could, you if know. they all have eight wins, they'll take them. Yeah. Um, 
Let's take it to this weekend real quick before we hop to break. Facing off against Richmond, Teddy, you mentioned a moment ago, they might not need to just win these games. They might need some convincing wins. Perhaps this is an opportunity for one this weekend. We talked about it, Jake and I, a little bit earlier in the show. Richmond's ranked 11th defensively in the CAA. They just gave up 63 points to James Madison last week. The week before that, they lost by 26 to Stony Brook. An interesting quote that I wanted to put out there for the group to react to from Richmond head coach Russ Huseman this week. And this comes via John O'Connor, a reporter for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. He said Wednesday, quote, Probably everybody hates our football team right now, hates our players, hates our coaches, and despises me right now. And that's fair. I apologize for the performance. In stark contrast to the way that Danny Rocco has handled a few of the Blue Hens' struggles earlier this season, obviously not to the same extent. They haven't lost to anybody by 53 points, but I thought that was eye-opening to hear a head coach speak that way five games into a season. Your thoughts? I think it's telling with you compare that with Rocco's leadership, and I'm I'm not getting into all the specifics on the field, but in a, taking that and taking a bigger picture here, because that's that's the best I can do right now since I don't know specifics of how the team is playing. This team now has expectations to perform, and last year they were just getting to those. Now, preseason, they're the favorite in a lot of these games. And now I'm interested to see how Rocco can respond, his team, to kind of this adversity of maybe you were supposed to be higher, and is he going to take responsibility if they don't perform? And when, at what po- at what point in the season, if Delaware wins six games, for example, I think they— Which is a— it's possibility. a possibility. I'd say six or seven is a better guess than eight and nine at this point. At what point, and will we, towards the end of the season, hear uproar from fans that, that it's time? I think he's safe for at least another year, but I think that Rocco's leadership is telling, and I think the mindset and the attitude in that Rhode Island game was a bad start to the season, and we need to get this team. This team needs to be more fired up and really come out there and play consistent ball. That's what it comes down to. 